And so this sermon this morning is appropriate for all of us. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Psalm 23. That's our key text. We'll be reading this morning from verse 1 to 3. And as usual, we honor God's word by standing and reading his word. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me once you have found Psalm 23. We're going to read and we're going to ask the Spirit of God through prayer to come and tabernacle with us and lead us this morning. So lift your Bibles up in the air and declare with me that this is God's word, not Pastor Omar's word. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are opened. And I better not go to sleep. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. So let me read for you, and then I'm going to ask you to do something for me as we read. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And we spoke about that when we spoke about the shepherd dealing with our worry. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. And last week we spoke about that, and I hope you got some rest last week. And, um, and this week, so when you leave church today, one of the things you must do is select the day next week that you're going to rest and do nothing but sleep and eat. Right? And you, you need to sit down with your spouse and you're going to say, well, Tuesday, I'm doing nothing but sleeping and eating. Or Wednesday, whatever day. All right? He leads me beside the still waters. And we're at verse 3 today. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to underline, he makes me to lie down. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And he leads me in the path of righteousness. Underline or highlight those if you, if you can. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. For your word is living and powerful. We thank you for your Logos word, the written word of God. And we thank you for the Rima word, the revealed word of God. For we understand that we don't come into knowledge of your word by discovery, but by revelation. As you reveal your hidden truths and principles, Lord God, we find them and we obey them. We apply them to our lives and see deep inward change that has an outward manifestation. Spirit of the living God, we ask you this morning in the name of Jesus to open every eye in this room so we will see your truth. Open every ear in the name of Jesus so we will hear your voice clearly. As Samuel said, speak, Lord, your servant, hear it. Open every mind to understand your word. We remember the Apostle Paul in Romans says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your word also says in Philippians that, Let this mind that is in Christ also be in you. Lord God, we pray that every heart will be receptive to your word. You said, Lord God, we should not be like the children of Israel. And if we hear your word, we must not harden our hearts like they did. And so this morning as we hear, let us not hear with hard hearts, but soft heart that will be good soil for the seed of your word. Heavenly Father, we thank you that... At the end of this, we will be more than mere hearers, but doers of your word. We pray in the name of Jesus that if anyone in this room is lost, that they will be found by you this morning. And if there are backsliders present or watching online, we pray in the name of Jesus that they will come to their senses as the prodigal son did and make themselves back home to the father's house where there is a warm embrace, Lord God, and a cleaning up, a robe of righteousness awaiting them. We thank you. We bless you. We pray your will be done and your kingdom come in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. You may be seated this morning. So we, we are going to be looking at how to deal with our damaged emotions. 
the psalm says he restores my soul. And this is good news, right? Because the truth is, uh, every person, I, I will say this, uh, uh, every person in this room, from the youngest to the eldest, they, even those watching online, though I can't see all of you, probably you have experienced some emotional hurt in your life, male and female. The thing is that emotional and mental issues are two of the most uh, hard to deal with issues. Let me put it that way. And two of the most ignore issues in people's life. Like if people come to you and tell you that they are depressed, it's very easy to say, just get over it. But if someone came to you and said that they had cancer, you'd recommend a doctor. If someone came to you and said, you know that I have heart issues, you'd say, why don't you do surgery? We'd be more compassionate if, the, if there was a, a broken arm or a broken leg. But if, if, if a guy walks up to his friend and says, boy, my heart is so broken. He says, yeah, big man, what kind of broken heart you are talking about, brother? Right? Right? I, I mean... A man, if somebody, if you walk up to someone and say, boy, I don't really feel right in my head. Then say, well, I'm mad, yeah, I'm mad. Nobody come around me. So a lot of times, emotional and mental issues are not given the time that they need. And, but the truth is that when people don't deal with our issues the way we want them to deal with it, it hurts us, but we do the same. Like when you're going through some deep emotional stuff, if people don't pay attention to it, it hurts you even more. Because we all have emotional damage. In fact, I'll go as far as to say this. You are today, primarily, like one of the things that, 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 that is a part of you and how you behave is your emotions. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So the psalmist says, he restores my soul. God restores our soul. What is our soul? Your soul has three components. You have three components. Body, soul, and spirit. Alright? So, your physical body, man has a spirit, and the spirit needs to die, and you receive the spirit of Christ. You have a soul. Your soul has three components. Mind, emotion, and will. Now, you can't really do nothing with God's spirit except receive it. You can't really do nothing to your body unless your mind, your emotions, and your will are engaged. So throughout scriptures, we are told to renew our minds and set your mind, and we are told about our heart, and we are told about emotions. You really find very few scriptures that speaks about what you must do with your body. But a lot of stuff to deal with your the soul because the soul is so important. In fact, you can't really restore your body, but you can restore your soul. It shows you how critical the soul part of our lives is. Our emotions, our mind, our will. This morning I want to lock into our emotions. So this is good news. The good news that is that God restores our soul. Because we all need our souls restored. And here is why. At some point in life, we have or we will get hurt. Not just physically, but also emotionally and spiritually. Why? Because life is tough. We get beat up. We get discouraged, depressed, disappointed. We have failure, fatigue, frustrations, and fears. All these things. People are depressed now than they have ever been. People are disappointed. I mean, people get married, get disappointed. People have children, get disappointed. People get jobs, get disappointed. Then they work for the company a long time, they get disappointed. Disappointment is like a constant thread in life. Get discouraged, you get beat up, man. You're trying your best, but the odds are against you. Life can be tough. Grow up in some tough circumstances. In terms of what your experience is with siblings and mother and father and other parents. And we carry these things many times in life to our own detriment. We all have what I call hidden hurts from our past. There are many persons in here. We have some things that, man, we don't even want to talk about. 
hurt that we carry, how we feel. And it may be that, I mean, you still even love the people, but you probably carry something because your mother or your father did or didn't do something, and you have it in your heart. Maybe it was an uncle or a nephew or a teacher, but, but it's just a part of you. We carry these hidden hurts. We carry wounds and battle scars and emotional garbage. A lot of us have a lot of emotional garbage. And so even with that, scripture is so clear. I tell people, listen, you have to be so careful the kind of relationships you get involved in. All right, let me tell you why. Because when you come into contact with a person, you become a part of them. They become a part of you. So that is why in scripture, it, it tells you that if you sleep with a prostitute to become one, uh, I'm going off in tangent from this one, but I soon get back to it. We're going to wrap up in time, but, but let me follow you. So every person, a person has been with, they have a piece of that person in them. So if you have a hundred, if you have been with, not a hundred, but ten persons. A reasonable number, I suppose. If you have been with 10 persons outside of, you are now 11. Because you have your part in you and 10 other persons in you. That's why it don't work. And imagine if those persons turn thief and criminal. You have a little bit of thief, a little bit of criminal, a little bit of you, a little bit. All of those things mixed up in you. That is why some of us are so mixed up. Because we are too mixed up. And what happens is that we don't deal with these things. They stay on what we call the back burner of life. Until somebody squeezes us the wrong way. They just fly out. And where did this come from it was just there buried in the sand of our hearts waiting for someone to resurrect it it's called damaged emotions how you talk how you treat people all a part of it but let's go on so, we have all of these things. But God wants to restore our souls. But how does he restore our soul? He does it by making three changes in our lives. And so I'm going to give you these three things that he wants to deal with. It begins by allowing God to remove our guilt. Or let God remove your guilt. For your soul to be restored, God has to remove your guilt. Guilt is a deadly emotion. Why? Because nothing destroys a soul faster than guilt. When you're guilty, it's a problem. So in between service, I was having a conversation with a couple of the the men. And they, they brought up the story... Where um, the guy, something on where the guy, once the phone rang, he was just running to get the phone. Because he didn't want the wife to answer the phone. Alright, that's a heart operating in guilt. Alright? When you don't, you, that's a heart operating in guilt. Let me give you, so, so we went on and he said, imagine this, right? Someone is unfaithful in their marriage. Say, uh, uh, say a wife is unfaithful to her husband. And then she passed down the road and see her husband talking to the gentleman that she was unfaithful with. All right, all type of stuff goes through her mind. Oh, geez, Lord of mercy, I won't ever go tell me I know, you know, and stuff. So the worst thing that could happen if that husband comes home and says nothing about it. Now she's what? I wonder if him know. I wonder if him know him a plan for kill me. I wonder if, like, and, and, and all of this puts you, because guilt is deadly. When you're living with guilt inside of you, you can't have any healthy relationship. Let me say that again. If you have any guilt in you, you can't have a healthy relationship. Because healthy relationship can only be honest relationships. And honest relationships are relationships where both persons are walking guilt-free. The scripture said, the song said this morning, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. There is liberty. Therefore, there is no guilt. Because God removes guilt. And so if we have guilt in the relationships we have, they are going to be unhealthy. 
destroys a soul faster. If you even feel guilt about anything you have done in the past or anything that has been done to you. So people, for example, who have any sort of uh, sexual abuse in childhood in any way, if that is not brought up and you get married, uh, listen, you walk into your marriage with that guilt, either you blame yourself or you blame others. If it's not dealt with, it destroys your marriage. Because you treat people based on how your heart is. And if your heart has guilt, you're going to treat people based on the guilt in your heart. In fact, you also see people, not with your eyes. You see people with your heart. It's what in your heart that comes in your eyes. We're going to get into that, right? Let, let me tell you how dangerous guilt is. Psalm 30, 38, 4 and 5 says this. My sins are flooded over my head. This is, right? They are a burden too heavy for me to bear. My wounds are foul and festering because of my foolishness. This passage is depicting a person who is plagued by guilt. They begin to think, oh my God, I am drowning in this thing. I'm drowning. You can't come to church because you feel like, oh my God, how can I worship God? You cannot worship God when you have guilt in your heart. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Guilt has to be dealt with. So there are two problems with guilt. One, we all, is, we all have plenty of reasons for guilt. And two, we can't get away from guilt. That's just it. Now, God wants us to walk with conviction. So when we sin, we must know we sin. But he doesn't want us to live in guilt. He doesn't want us to live in guilt. By our own actions or by what people have done to us. Because guilt can be because of what people have done to you. And you feel like you somehow allowed it or you caused it. And so it caused you to be guilty. Probably you made a mistake and you walk in guilt because of that. Probably you thought like you didn't want to get pregnant. And you got pregnant and you have that guilt coming over you. Probably you knew you weren't supposed to marry the person. You married the person. And there's guilt all over you. Probably you, you know that you did something. But you can't tell a husband and that guilt. Or you can't tell a wife and that guilt is there. Listen, the truth is that until that is dealt with, so many things are going to affecting your life. But, so how do we deal with guilt? There are a couple of ways. We can deal with guilt by pretending it doesn't exist. We try to bury it. But that doesn't work because it's still alive. Denying guilt doesn't deal with it. You can't deny it. You can't deny the pain. You can't deny the sin. Denial doesn't work. Denial don't get you over it. Denial cannot deliver you. Denial cannot deliver me. We can't deny it. Secondly, sometimes we minimize guilt by saying, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. But really and truly, deep down we know that it is a big deal. Why? If it was no big deal, why do you still remember it? Why can't we forget it? Why can't we move beyond it? Minimizing guilt doesn't work. You can't minimize it. We try to minimize it in other people's life. We try to minimize it in our life. But it doesn't work. You cannot minimize guilt and deal with it. It's not a big deal. It is a big deal. And people will say, well, it's just a small sin. It's just a small thing. It's not. That's God's standard. We also try, uh, say we can rationalize guilt by saying everybody does it. But we know that that is not true. Everybody doesn't do it. Come on, just look at the person beside you and say, I don't do it. Whatever the it is that you think everybody is doing, they just told you that they don't do it. So everybody don't do it. And people say, well, well, all pastor do it, all the pope do it, all the bishop do it, all the deacon do it, all the elders do it, everybody do it. You don't know that? How do you know that everybody do it? And you know it's a lie. Not because you are a thief, me, not everybody is a thief. 
Speak for yourself. Not because you tell lie me that everybody's a liar. Speak for yourself. But not only that, even if they did, that still don't make it right. So even if everybody is doing it, you don't do it because it's wrong. Amen? Listen, if ten men go and steal, it doesn't make stealing right. In fact, most things that the majority do is wrong anyways. So when we try to rationalize it, we're trying to put our heads over our hearts. But the heart always wins out. Heart always wins out. Because the word rationalize, uh, it really means rational lies. We have all of these lies. Very rational. You know, you just tell a lot of lies to make you feel better about something that you're guilty about. But the most common thing we do with guilt is that we beat ourselves up by administering self-punishment. So we do something and we, we punish ourselves. We go through some hard times in childhood. We are going through some hard times now with mother and father, brother, sister, husband, wife, co-workers, and we beat ourselves up. We, we blame ourselves and we see ourselves as less than. We don't see ourselves anymore as God sees us. We see ourselves as foolish and stupid. How could I do that? You understand me? How could I allow myself to go through that? Eh? Like I don't have any sense. I threw me fool, fool, you know. Many of us say that. We feel less than human. We begin to feel less than God values us. We see ourselves with little, of little importance or worth. We tell, us, tell ourselves, I don't deserve. I don't deserve to be successful. I don't deserve this. So we live with our guilt. And we use guilt to put us in prison for the rest of our lives. We never become better. Listen, God wants to restore our souls. And he, by restoring our souls, he wants to remove our guilt. But none of these options, rationalizing, denying, minimizing, none of these things work. Beat it up ourselves. None of these things work. The only one solution to guilt, and that solution is to give it to God. How do I deal with my guilt? I go to the Lord and I say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, have mercy on me. This is what I have done. I give it to the Lord. You have to give your guilt to the Lord. Why? Because only he can restore our souls. He restores my soul. How does God restore our souls? He restores souls through, through Jesus Christ. Because the most basic truth of Christianity is that Jesus Christ has already paid for all our sins. Let me say that again. Jesus Christ has paid for how much of our sins? All our sins. What does all mean? It means past, present, and future. People wonder, how can God forgive me of my future sins? God give, forgives you of all. In other words, the sin that you don't do yet, God has already forgiven you. You just need to ask him for forgiveness. You just need to confess it to him. But forgiveness is already done. When he was on the cross, he said what? It is finished, meaning all your sins have been paid for already. Everything we have done wrong has already been paid for. The stuff we have already done, the stuff we are going to do, all our sins have been paid for. The, the mess-ups, the accidents, the mistakes, the blunders, the fumbles have all been Paid for. The thoughts that you had. The inclinations you had. Maybe you had them for years and you struggled with them. But you never told anyone. And you, but you know there's a, uh, there's a bit of it there. Even those things that are unseen to the outside world are recognized by the spirit. And God says even the inner things, the deep dark things that you tell no one about. I have forgiven you. Don't walk in guilt. That's why Jesus went to the cross, to pay for our sins. It means no psychologist can remove our guilt. No psychologist, no psychiatrist, no medical doctor, no family practitioner, none of those persons can remove our guilt. Why? Because the only person who can remove guilt is the person who has power to forgive sins. 
And the only person who has power to forgive sin is Jesus Christ. So only Jesus can remove our guilt. Because he has the power to forgive sin. And so maybe you're living in guilt because of sin. Stuff that you have thought, stuff that you have done. Let God forgive you. The good shepherd has the power to restore your soul. So how do you get forgiveness from God? Because you may be sitting here this morning and say, you know what? I want my soul to be restored. I have guilt. I need forgiveness. You receive forgiveness by trusting in God. You don't beg. You don't try and bribe him. You don't, you don't like say, God, please, you know, God, if you ever, for, God, if you forgive me this one time, me now I'm going to do it again, you know, God. Me now I'm going to do it again. Just like people love to pray like that, you know. God, you see, if this time you forgive me, God, uh, me never do it again, God. You're trying to bribe God. All you have to do, like my kids, they have to come and say, Daddy, if, if you give me dinner this evening, Daddy, I'll wash the plate. No. Because even if you don't wash the dishes, I'm still going to give you dinner. You can imagine, my son says, Daddy, can I sleep in your house today? I will spread your bed, you know. You can allow me to sleep in your house. I'd be a wicked father to do that. If my son says, can I sleep in your room? I say, yes. He doesn't have to, to make me a promise to do something for me, for me to allow that. But sometimes that's how we pray to God for forgiveness. We say, God, forgive me. And here's what I'm going to do for you, God. And if, if God, I'm going to do this thing for you, so please forgive me. You hear? Me know I'm wrong, you know, God, but please. We're trying to bribe God. You don't have to bribe God. We don't have to bargain with him. Just believe him. Just trust in him. Accept that Jesus went to the cross for you. Some persons may say, Pastor, I trust in Jesus. I believe in him, yet I still feel guilty. If that's you, it simply means you don't understand the forgiveness of God. When you really understand the forgiveness of God, it removes guilt. When you understand the forgiveness of God, it removes guilt. How do I know this? When I look at scriptures and I see some stuff that people do and God still forgave them. I say, oh my God, you're so forgiving. You're so loving that I'm not going to walk in guilt. I'm going to live in the freedom that you have bought for me. When God forgives, it is immediate. It is free. It is complete. It is unconditional. And forgiveness takes care of our sin the first time we ask. When you go to God and you say, Lord, forgive me. With a genuine heart. The moment you pray that you are forgiven. The moment you pray that you are? All right. If you know you're forgiven, you don't walk in guilt. Guilt is an indication that you don't believe in God's forgiveness. Let's, let's get very practical because I want you to understand this principle. If the judge says to the man, you are forgiven for the crime that you have done. Leave the courtroom. You don't have to go to prison. And he turns up at the prison cell every morning. What does that say about his belief in what the judge said? It is saying that he doesn't believe in the judge's verdict. Amen? It's the same thing with God. If God says he forgives you, and listen, you keep turning up to court about the same thing, it's because you still have guilt and you have not experienced or don't understand the full length and breadth of his forgiveness. When God forgives you, he forgives you immediately. That is why it's a joy to say, Lord, forgive me. Have mercy on me. Here's what uh, Brother Desmond read this to you earlier. First John 1 verse 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How much sin does God cleanse us of? Yeah, not a part, not some, not a bit. 
cleanses us of all. But if we confess our sin, that means you have to confess all the sin, you know. And so let me help you with some stuff. When you're confessing, you have to be honest. There can be no, when it comes to God, you cannot have a dishonest confession and get forgiveness. And that is the issue. You cannot have a dishonest confession and expect God's forgiveness. If I said, right? If I were to take this lady's handbag, she not knowing, she's sitting in her chair, just you know, sitting up behind her, take it and run away. What would you call that? Stealing. So if I went to God, because you know it, and I know what it is. So now I go to God and say, Lord, forgive me now. Um, you know what I, you know, you know I did a little thing at church this morning that wasn't right. So just forgive me. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not being honest. Why am I not being honest? Because I know, I know what I did. What did I do? I, I stole something. So I have to say, God, forgive me for stealing. Not, not God, uh, you see that little thing that I did? You know, I got, you know, I wasn't right today. I was off. No, 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 no. I stole. The Bible is like that, you know. The Bible don't say that little thing, you know. The Bible calls every sin, sin. And we will experience forgiveness when we talk to God in the same language as this act that we were doing. So when you're lying, when you're ready to talk to God, you have to use the same language. You can't use codes. Now, if you're sinning codes, it's different. If, if you have some fornicating code, then I suppose when you're confessing, you can use the fornicating code. But if you're fornicating, when you go before God, you have to call it what it is. I love when you're silent. But he cleanses us of all our sins. Amen? Amen. Jesus said on the cross, it is, it is paid for. It's over and done. So what are you worried about? If God forgives your sins, you should forgive you. If God has forgiven you, don't walk in guilt. You can forgive yourself. Amen? Number two. Let God relieve our grief. God is in control when we let God relieve our grief. Sometimes we suffer not because of what we have done, but because of what others have done to us. Sometimes we suffer when we see other people suffer. This is not heaven. This is earth. And people hurt. Right? People hurt. This is like the, I mean, people... People, people, people get hurt, like real, real, real bad, real bad. Amen. People, people get hurt. Life is just full of all kind of hurts and pain, all kind of trouble. Right? People hurt. This is not heaven. This is earth, and for earth, people hurt. You understand? People get hurt. Sometimes people feel lonely. I am so lonely. I have nobody to call. People feel lonely. There are many lonely people in the world today. People grieve when they're lonely. Some people can't deal with loneliness well. Sometimes our hearts are broken. I mean, 
If you have ever been in love and fallen out of love, you probably got your heart broken, left with a broken heart. You know, you know I mean, I mean, it's so serious that people have done songs. There are so many songs about you have you have a hotel call, heartbreak hotel. I mean, people check into hotel heartbreak. I mean, ah, the other next song that says, unbreak my heart because it was broken. Listen, people have heartbreak. Amen. I'll tell you, if you have ever loved, you probably got your heart broke. You probably were left broke. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? But what's the thing? It's, it's life. And stuff happens. Sometimes we experience sorrow, loss, and grief. But, but Psalm 23 verse 3 says, When all of these things happen, the Lord says, He restores my soul. In other words, if your heart is broken, God can restore it. If you're feeling lonely, God can restore it. If you uh, have been hurt by someone, God can restore you. And that's the good thing. It don't matter if he pick you up and fling you down. God will make your bunks right back. He will restore your heart. You may feel used and abused emotionally. God can restore you. He can restore. People, some people have been hurt so bad that they say, Who me? Me no one. No more. Female would say, no more man. Them, them not even getting married. Don't tell me nothing about marriage. What pastor preaching about marriage? I don't even come into church. I'm saying that even at that point, God is still able to restore your soul. He is. In fact, how many of you love David? King David. King David wrote Psalm 23. Amen. I love David. And so King David was very acquainted with grief. If you feel lonely or heartbroken or you feel sorrow, lost grief, whatever, feel like people have treated you bad, David would say to you, I know what you're going through. David would say, I have been through that. I don't even remember the story, but there's a story in 2 Samuel chapter 12. And in this story, we see some principles about how to handle grief. Now, remember, David had committed adultery with this woman called Bathsheba who, who, who wrote Psalm 31. And that's just an indication that no matter how messed up your life is, God can restore you. If you read Psalm 31, this same woman wrote about the virtuous woman. Can you believe it? David committed adultery with Bathsheba. And on top of that, he had her husband killed. He slept with the man's wife. He sent the man to war, slept with the man's wife. When he found out that the man's wife was pregnant, he called back the man from war, tried to get the man drunk, to go and sleep with his wife. The man said, no, king, your mother, me I'm going to serve you, king. I don't want no man right now, king. You, me I'm going to serve king. David said, brother, go on home to your wife. The man said, no, king. David said, you don't want to go to your wife. All right, go on back a war. And David said, put him up on the front. And yes, when the enemy had come, I'm going to leave him up there, make him dead. Like, you can I want you to think about that. Imagine your pastor did that. I, I want you to, because we laugh like it's a joke. How many of you would come back to this church? Come on now. The pastor never has to go so far. Make him just send a text. Say, hey, baby, me love you. How many of you come back to church? So we understand the magnitude of what David did. Because Uriah wasn't the only one who got killed. Every person in his group of soldiers got killed. So all of those soldiers left their kids and their wives. Families were destroyed by what David did. I will say this to you, but all of us have a David story. It's just that David was restored by God, so David felt the freedom to write his story. 
See, that's what restoration does. Restoration removes the shame of sharing. You see, many of us can't share our David experience because we still feel guilt and shame and grief. See, David writes what he went through. You see, your life would touch so many lives if people really knew your true life. But you're ashamed of your true life. You can't be an effective witness. So what we do, we share, we share people the pretty part. You see, I remember growing up, no adult wanted to tell teenagers that they had sex outside of marriage. They felt like it was wrong, which is true. But they felt that it was wrong to share that because they wouldn't want the teenagers to see them as that. You know what started happening in the youth ministry? Every teenager wanted it to go and experience. Now imagine if some of those adults were sharing with them, listen, I did it. And I'm telling you, it is not good and healthy. It will mess you up. That would be a better message than pretending like they were all saints. That's the difference with David. I know I'm challenging some of you this morning, but let's go on. So, David didn't confess until in Psalm 51. If you read Psalm 51, if you're, if, you're having, if, you're, if you're having guilt, Psalm 51 is a good psalm to read. But that is not the whole story. Do you remember that Bathsheba became pregnant? She had a baby boy. And when the baby was born, what happened? The baby got sick. Because sin has consequences. People believe that because pastor don't know, and nobody at the church know what they're doing, that it is right. But I tell you this, sin has consequences. And at some point, you're going to pay. In fact, I'm going to tell you how powerful this is. This is so powerful, I want to get this. God had made David a promise. God was so faithful to that promise that God would rather the son dead. The little baby dead so that his, his word could be fulfilled in David's life. What that means is that sometimes God has a promise over your life. And if you bring other people into it, God would rather them be dead so that the promise can be fulfilled. So be careful what you engage other people in. Because you're exposing them to way more danger than you. Sin has consequences. David, so the baby got sick. David grieved over what he had done. He fasted and he prayed. He said, God, the baby has done nothing wrong. I am the one who messed up. I'm the one who made the mistake. David said, save the baby. He has done nothing wrong. I mean, that's a good prayer, right? He's a little innocent child. But the baby died anyways. What did David do? With his grief after the baby died. David did three things. First, he accepted what he could not change. The scripture says in 2 Samuel 12, 22 to 23. And he said, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he's dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. David realized, listen, there's nothing I can do about this. I'm going to move on. I'm going to accept what I cannot change and move on with my life. I'm not going to be stuck in this place. David also focused on what was left, not what was lost. You see, David realized, listen, I've lost some things, but I'm going to be focusing on what I have left now. I'm going to give thanks. I'm going to glorify God. I'm going to honor God for what I have left. I'm not going to focus on what I have lost. Here's what he did. David, verse 24, then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife. It's almost like in a second. David said, be gone. I'm going to deal with my wife. He moved on. The Bible said, and he went into her and lay with her. She bore a son and called his name Solomon. David moved on. David realized that he could not comfort his son, but he could comfort his wife. Some people are still focused on their ex. They pay more attention to their ex's life than their new spouse's. Than their wise is life. Like, like 
the, 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 the topic of their discussion is their ex. What used to be and not what can be. David said, the son is dead. I'm going to move on. Then he turned to God. He accepted. He focused. He turned to God. Psalm 51 verse 11 to 12 says, Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. David said, listen, what is done is done. I need to turn to God. I'm not going to be held a prisoner to my grief. I'm going to turn to God. You see, when we grieve, we can remain prisoners of our pain or we can turn it over to God. There are some things we need to just get over. We need to move on from. Don't become a prisoner to your pain. I know your mother didn't treat you right. You're disappointed in your father, your mother, your sister, your brother. You're disappointed in everybody. That's fine. Move on. Don't, don't be a prisoner to your pain. The, the thing has already hurt you. Don't let, it, don't let it imprison you. That's a choice you have. Come out of that prison and live in the freedom. For where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Begin to enjoy your relationship with God. Finally, let God replace our grudges. So first you have to let him remove guilt. You have to let him relieve grief. Then you have to let him replace our grudges. Grudges come when we hold on to hurts that others have caused us. We get mad at them and we won't let that anger go. There are many people today who are walking with grudges. In Jamaica, we don't use grudges. We call it have up. And we call it don't like. We have up people. We carry people in our hearts. I've said this and I strongly believe it. Listen, some people are too big to take them and put them on, on my heart. You know, they the size of your heart is the size of your fist. Nobody can hold on it, man. Let them go. Release them. Forgive them. That's it. Many times, the people may not even plan to intentionally hurt us. But we got hurt just the same. So we develop a grudge and we won't let it go. Let me encourage you again. People don't go around looking to hurt people intentionally. Why would somebody marry? You, you think my wife said, all right, um, let's get married. I see, when I get married, I'm going to hurt you, you see? You see, I'm going to, listen, we're going to spend all of this money. I'm going to put on a nice wedding dress. We're going to exchange rings and vows. And you see, when we get married, <laughs> don't worry yourself, be hurt. People don't do that. But you're going to get hurt in your marriage. But people don't do it intentionally. Imagine your family don't intentionally want to hurt you. So I have a brother. So imagine my brother sent $5 Canadian to me tomorrow. So go and go buy yourself a burger. Put on the rest of the money on it and go buy a burger. Then the next week he, he does something that affects me. How can I believe that he was intentionally trying to hurt me when the week before he gave me $5? Why would he go through all of that just to hurt me? People don't get up and walk up and down and say, I'm looking for you just to try and hurt you. But things happen. And I know you're sitting there saying, actually, you don't know some people, Pastor. But what happened is that we believe that because something is wrong with us. Because hurt people hurt people. Hurt people always believe people trying to hurt them. When you're damaged emotionally, you always think people are out to get you. You always believe that people don't like you. You believe that people are after you. You begin to look, look on them and they see them and look on me and like, they don't like me, you know. Look on them and chat, them and chat me, you know. I bet some me pastor attack. I will tell pastor my business. You, you, because you are hurt. Because you hear everything based on your heart and you see everything based on your heart. That is why when people don't call to you, you feel like they don't like you. Because you are hurt. Can you imagine somebody buy a dinner regularly, and then they don't invite them here, and you fix them, so they don't like you. Hello? You don't like you? So because you don't like you, you believe people don't like you? 
So instead of trying to fix people, let God fix you because our hearts are broken. I tell you, the worst time in my life is when I allow my hurt to hurt my relationships. Because hurt people hurt people. Today, you receive me based on how your heart is. And you see me based on how your heart is. Half the things that you think people did to you, it was unintentional. Like recently somebody said, Oh, pastor, me not to talk to you. Well, kind of madness to me. They don't talk to me and think. Hey, you know what they, they felt? They felt like I was walking past them and not calling to them. Listen, you have an, listen. Like, ladies must understand that I have a hard time with all the changes going on. Because one day, they have short eyelash, long eyelash. Short hair, long hair. Brown makeup, black makeup. Some hair, no hair. Wig, no wig. Listen, I mean, they are so changing. So obviously, with mask and everything, I can't recognize you. <laughs> That's the truth. It's hard to recognize people. I lash it. I mean, you may say, listen, man, people are changing rapidly. You, you, wait, wait. You think I really get up and say, I'm going to wear a mask because I want this guy's myself before Corona I wasn't. So why would you think that I don't want to call to you? Something is wrong with your heart. That is why you feel that way. Nobody ever call me. Your heart is wrong. What does that have to do with anything? Nobody has to call you. You're not that special. None of us are. There are people who have not called me in years. And then they turn around and say, I don't call them. You know what I said to them? Oh, your phone too big. <laughs> can't, you understand me? Can't find my number. You have too much contact in here. It's all right. We don't have to call each other. And it doesn't mean that we are hurting each other. But because we are so fragile and damaged emotionally, we believe like people are out to get us. Nobody don't like us. And they fight against us. And they bad mind us. And we carry these things in our hearts. And God says, listen, you are hurt. I want to restore your soul. When we feel, we feel guilt, when we, have hurt, when we have hurt people, we feel grief when we have suffered loss. But we hold on to grudges when someone has caused us pain. But guess what? In this world, we are going to be hurt. Life isn't fear. We are going to suffer pain. You are going to get bumped, bruised, scratched, scraped in this world. And how we handle hurt will, will, um, how we handle the hurt we suffer will either make us bitter or make us better. The difference between bitter and better is the word I. Ask yourself, what do I do when the hurt piles up? What do I do with all the emotional garbage? You can become angry with people who have hurt you. You can, or you can hold on to the grudges. Or you can let it go. Forgive them. And let God's will be done. And so Job says it this way in Job 5 verse 2. For wrath kills a foolish man. In other words, when you hold on to grudges and anger, it kills you. The worst person to be around is a person who has all kind of anger and bitterness in them. You, listen, don't let that people, person tell you about anybody. Don't ever open your ear to a bitter and angry, angry person. Because whatever they tell you about somebody, they tell somebody about you. Because they are hurt. And hurt people hurt people. And envy slays a simple one. Why, why this happens? Because wrath, vengeance, and envy are self-destructive. They will hurt you and cause broken relationship. The person who gets hurt the most by grudges is the person holding it. The person who gets hurt the most by bitterness is the bitter person. You know what I said? It is like, it is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. You know that's stupid. Because the reason you hold a grudge is 
because of something sometimes in your past. You have to understand that your past is past. It doesn't need to last. Your past can't hurt you today unless you keep going over and over it in your mind. The person who hurt you may not even be alive, may not even be around, may not even remember you, may not even know your name, your phone number, or where you live. They don't even care one iota about you. Somebody bring up any name to them, they say, who? From where? Remind me. Send me a picture. I don't have a clue. Who is this? I don't have a clue. Listen, you probably have up your family. And if you ever saw them now, they walk past it because they don't even know you. The person who hurt you may not even be alive. They may have even been died for years, yet you're still holding on to a grudge. They are still hurting you from the grave because you won't let it go. You can't bury your anger with them. You won't let your resentment go. But truth is you need to. All you're doing is hurting yourself. What do you do when you have grudges? What do you do when you feel like people have hurt you? Romans 12, 19 in the message translation says, Don't insist on getting an even. That's not for you to do. Turn to the person beside you and let's say this to them. So don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. So the Bible says, goes on and says this. I'll do the judging, says God. I will take care of it. God will take care of it. In other words, don't hold a grudge. Don't take vengeance into your own hands. That's God's job, not yours. He will eventually make everything right. That's his job. He is the judge of the world. You are not God. So get rid of all bitterness and stop holding grudges. The scripture says, forgive as you have been forgiven. Leave all vengeance to God and forgive. Learn to forgive people. Maybe you need to call them and say, listen, I'm forgiving you. You need to forgive people. Why? Because God has forgiven you. How have you been forgiven by God? How have I been forgiven by God? We have been forgiven completely, totally, and absolutely. Therefore, if you have been forgiven, then God expects you to forgive. That's it. Learn to forgive people. No matter how much they have hurt you, forgive them because God has forgiven you. Matthew 6 verse 12 says this, And forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. We feel guilt when we hurt others, but when others hurt us, we hold on to a grudge. It should not be this way. We want others to forgive us, but we have a difficult time forgiving others. But God has forgiven us. So we should forgive us. As you deal it out, so it will be dealt to you. This is speaking about forgiveness. So let go and let God. Let go of the grudges and let God. You don't need a self-help book to deal with guilt. You don't need a self-help book to deal with your grief. You don't need a seminar to deal with your grudges. All you need is the shepherd. All you need is a savior. He's ready to help you deal with your damaged emotions. All you have to do is to ask him. All you have to do is say, Lord, restore my soul. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He lead me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Let him restore your soul today. I want you this morning, I want, to, I want you to pray with me. I want to lead you in a very simple prayer. What I want to find out this morning if, is very simple. If you know your soul needs to be restored, meaning you know deep down that there is some hurt. I have some emotional damage. I'm not going to deny it. I'm not going to rationalize it. I'm not going to minimize it. I'm not going to beat myself up. I'm going to confess it and receive God's forgiveness. I'm leaving this house today a forgiven person 
one who has been set free. I'm leaving here a healed person. My heart will be healed this morning. I've suffered lust. I've suffered grief. I've suffered a broken heart. But this morning, I'm going to trust God to restore my soul. I'm going to let go of the grudges. Whoever I need to forgive, I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to walk in the full freedom and liberty. I'm going to believe and accept that Jesus has paid for all my sins. So if you're here and you say, Pastor, you know what? I've ignored this for a while. I know deep down that the relationships in my life have been affected because I'm hurt and so I've hurt others. I know that I have some things from my past that are affecting me and I need my soul to be restored. If that's you, I want you to stand with me this morning. I want to lead you in a very simple prayer and we're going to trust God that restoration will come. That our hearts will be made whole again. That our emotions will be made whole again. And Jesus will do a complete work in us. And we will experience the joy of his forgiveness, his graciousness, and his mercy. As David was restored, so we anticipate complete restoration from our God. He says, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. So if that's you, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. I'll just say, listen, you don't have to wait on people to stand as if, you know, you want to make sure that you're not the only one. It's nothing to be ashamed of when we come before God and be honest. Uh, 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 Brother Desmond said it earlier when he spoke about uh, Hezekiah's son. He said he humbled himself. Sometimes that's all it needs for us to be humble and honest before God. That's it. Just be honest. Just, just be honest. Don't wait on people. To st- just be honest. It's okay. Let people think what they want to think. Don't be concerned with that. Be concerned with the own state of your heart. Come on, just lift your hands with me. High above your head, lift both hands. Hallelujah. Come on, just pray with me. Say, Father, I have been hurt in this world. I feel grief. I feel guilt. And there are times I hold grudges. I pray that you would restore my soul. I I ask that you would heal me. That you would forgive me. Enter my life and lead me today to still waters. I place my trust in you. Today, I will let God remove my guilt by giving giving him all my guilt and receive his absolute forgiveness. Today, I will let God relieve my grief. I will accept what I cannot change. I will focus on what I have left and not what I have lost. And I will turn to God. Today, I will let God replace my grudges. My pain and grief will make me better and not bitter. My job is to forgive. So I will forgive as I have been forgiven. Leaving all vengeance to God. Come on, with your hands lifted, just just begin to say, Lord, restore my soul. Come on, just whisper that to him. Say, Lord, restore my soul. Come on, one more time. Say, Lord, restore my soul. Listen, with your hands lifted, I just sense like the Spirit of God is just pouring, just, just, 
into your life right now. Restorative power. So just receive that, just receive that, just receive that, just receive, just receive that. Every hidden thing, every secret thing, God is going to give you confidence to not be ashamed anymore. To not be embarrassed anymore. No longer will you be a prisoner to your pain. I declare that you will let go and let God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, just keep your hands lifted, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus. I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that is in this house right now, Lord God. And I pray in the name of Jesus that the Spirit of the living God will flow like a mighty flood throughout your people. Lord God, touching every part of them from the crown of their heads to the sole of their feet. Let nothing and no one be left untouched today. We thank you for healing our hearts and restoring our souls, oh God. And we thank you that who the Son sets free is free indeed. So where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is no guilt, but there is freedom. Come on, just declare it. It's finished. Oh, we, we, we confess that it is finished in Jesus' name. It is finished in Jesus' name. It is finished in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord God, that a transition. There's a transition this morning. God is taking you from brokenness to victory. I know you're young and some deep pain that you feel. You feel like people don't even understand it. But, but God has restored you this morning. You're going to function well again. The joy that you had years ago, God is going to restore that joy. Because your soul has now been restored. You're going to see people differently and see yourself differently. We bless you. Jesus, we glorify you. And we thank you. This is your moment and this is your time. So let your will be done. And let your kingdom come. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, just clap your hands to the Lord. Come on, he deserves a bigger hand clap than that. Come on, don't be afraid. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. And so we give you glory, we give you honor, and we give you praise. God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of the day. A part of